0: Blah
1: to everybody out there. Hope everybody had a great time. How did uh, you guys do for New Year's? or What did you guys do?
2: I was all by myself, man. Abandoned again. Just sitting in the dark at home.
1: Excuse me. How about you, <laughs> Nigo?
3: Uh, Same thing, pretty much. So I didn't really do nothing. But happy New Year to you guys.
1: Yeah, happy New Year. And uh, what a way to kick off the New Year with a very special guest. One of my Long time friends and students and workout guys. Uh the living legend, uh with one of many. Brian Deneve. Welcome to the show, Brian.
4: Thanks, Tony. It's great uh, having being here. I mean, I've been listening to you guys since you launched, what, six months ago, I think you mentioned. It's been uh it's been, been awesome just hearing all the all the all the talk and back and forth and great to jump on and you know, contribute to some of that. Happy well, New Year yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, and, and we actually have the, the culmination of the, the hair wars right now between you and Joe, and, you know, we're going to find out a winner hopefully by next week because I'm going to poll everybody out there to, to make their vote on who has the, the best hairstyle, either Brian or Joe Cardinal, and um, yeah we're going to find out.
4: What's our prize if I win or if Joe wins?
1: Golden shampoo bottles
4: okay okay you know I'll take that. but are we counting body hair too or just just the hair on our head
1: no nah, let's keep this you know pg no uh <laughs> although if joe wants to enter that i mean nico will probably win that one i think yeah i,
3: I think i got that
1: joe <laughs> <laughs> yeah you probably you probably do man well it goes oh, back God. the body
2: hair question goes back to like we were doing with the, the head hair too is like is it quantity or or style, because there's a lot of styling you can do with body hair that should count towards the overall. I was
4: not aware of that, Joe. I don't know if we won't even broach that subject, but I was not (laughs) aware you could style body hair.
1: Oh, oh, yes, for sure. Well, how? I mean, can I just ask, how do you, I mean, where'd you learn all this? Because, you know, Mario could or where'd you go? Oh, no, I just, you know, just get yourself a pair of clippers
2: and use your creativity. You're a jazz improviser. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. sure you could come up with some interesting ideas for personal body hair.
1: yeah so yeah okay joe i'm glad that those medication things that you're on are, are working somewhat um but outside of that yeah we have brian here uh we're going to have a few more guys coming up in in th- this new year uh just waiting for them to you know scheduling but uh so brian what's cooking man
4: just like everyone else getting through 2020 and all of the challenges that that had um you know i guess pick your uh pick your poison so to speak it was a it was a interesting year needless to say and then you know looking forward to 2021 broadcasting from wisconsin you know i've been up here for a while i think going on 15 years so we kind of got like a little multi-state you know thing going on it sounds like with indiana and illinois and, and wisconsin and
1: Pri state yeah come to think yeah. of it <laughs> you know it's been 15 years since you've been up there
4: yeah, 06, I think it was maybe the fall. So it's, you know, Madison and yeah. Milwaukee back and forth. Now I'm in Milwaukee. So, yeah,
1: you know, where does, I mean, it, it is amazing how time flies. And I met you first time in 1998, I believe. So it's going on 23 years that we've known each
4: other. Yeah, that's correct, 98.
1: Yep, yep, out in Indy, uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it was just, and then you moved out here. And uh, yeah, what, I, again, it's, it's mind blowing to me where all this time goes, because for me, when I look back on it, it just doesn't seem like it was all that long ago.
4: Right? (laughs) No, Tony, you were in your early thirties when I met you. So that gives you an idea.
1: Well, well, I still am, aren't I? I can't count that high. right?
4: We added that part out for sure. For sure.
1: (laughs) Don't I wish I don't mind being, you know, 56. I mean, that's fine with me, but uh, you know, Yeah. And Joe back then, I remember with Joe, when, with Joe working out, and uh, then he had to quit and and go on to other endeavors like raising a family and and working on his body sculpting hair career and all that. But um, yeah, it just boy, time, time, time. Wait till we get Javier on here because I think I've known you, uh, Brian, longer than I've known Javier. I've known Bruce out of the group the longest.
4: Sure, um, yeah. Javier started I think with us in '99. I was there about a year. And then he's obviously, yeah. you know, um, gone on to do great things, obviously. And, and I'm kind of in the same boat with the raising the family that Joe was then and Javier was then because he was kind of a younger parent. Uh, yeah. I've got a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. So now I'm dealing with what some of you guys were dealing with, you know, 15, 20 years ago with uh, balancing the time with the family and then, uh, you know, trying to get time to, to work out it and, you know, continue to train. But, you know, it's a good time. Just the same.
1: It is. I mean, it's, you know, great friendships last forever. And even if you don't talk all the time, it doesn't matter. Uh, I know that there was people that I were, that I was tight with growing up in Cleveland and, you know, some of them I haven't seen in, you know, 30, 40 years, you know, but we're, we're still tight every now and then we'll chat at each other somehow or another. And, uh, but yeah, we've you're you know you're one of the guys that was there from the beginning the the mecca as they called it the uh, the old tool and die shop. Wait, who
4: calls it the mecca?
1: Well, that's what they used to call it back. <laughs> oh, then. did oh, they? The mecca. Yeah. The mecca, the I, mecca oh, you're right. President. I guess
4: like no, because that makes sense. And just to rewind everybody before there was social media, before you know people existed via like chat forums, and then yeah. you had you know a couple of different forums over the years. So you know that was one way that uh, there was definitely a kind of a Pretty tight nip or uh, a group that was uh, interacting with one another, you know, to learn about Tony Chicchini catch wrestling. So yeah, now that you mentioned it, the mecca I think was the was the term that was being thrown around then.
1: Yeah, that was that was an interesting times. You know, uh, I, 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 we were we were pretty much on the on the the forefront of uh, the, the worldwide web as well. Um, you know, I think I came on the internet in ninety three or ninety four um you know that's you know over 25 years ago time's just marching on and shit we've been out of the tool and die shop for a long time um i would say uh 16 years maybe something like that i believe i had just turned 40 um when kevin found kevin and george found the building um yeah, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's when it was. So 19 or 2004. Um, interesting, interesting times, man.
4: Well, we can't forget our Triton a uh, uh, few years there. That was a, a you know,
1: Triton yep. um, was great.
4: Great, great facility too.
1: Fantastic, Harry McGinnis for allowing us to work out there and working out with the wrestlers in the weight room. And you know, I filmed the quite a few things there, uh, you know, which was nice. And uh, it was a great facility. Unfortunately, now I live so far away from it, it, it's not practical for me to go there. Um, But, yeah, it's just interesting how times, you know, just keep rolling on. I mean, we had a lot of people at the tool and die shop. We had a lot of people at at Triton. You know, Shoney was at both places, the tool and die shop and, and, um, you know, Triton. As a matter of fact, Shoney was a graduate of Triton uh, college.
4: Yeah. His uh, picture's on the wall. If you ever go up there, cause he was uh national champ, one of the better wrestlers they ever produced. So,
1: um, and Tom Erickson with his real name, you know? we're not going
4: to say his real name, but uh, yeah. he doesn't go by Shoney on that picture.
1: <laughs> no, but Tom Erickson too, who was, uh, you know, Div three year Juco champ, whatever, you know, and he was a monster, great, great man. Uh, monster guy, you know, was one of the beginner of uh, the, in the beginning of the MMA thing. And, uh, you know, um, but yeah, it's just uh, time. yeah, we had a lot of lot of people, some you know, some are lost to uh, you know, uh, antiquity you know, because we had so many people going through there, but also we had a lot of people who didn't go through there who claimed they did. Oh, is so, that right? Hmm. You, you, had, oh my goodness, I'm dealing with that right now. Um, I've, I've dealt with that. I remember getting an email once, this is going back a ways, maybe 10, 12 years ago, something from some guy who a very pleasant email, you know, all oh, my, my teacher, uh, you know, really, you know, likes you. And, you know, he actually trained with you in, in Chicago and, you know, like 1982. I'm like me, he didn't train with me in Chicago in 1982. I wasn't even in Chicago in 1982, you know, uh, you know, so you, you get a lot of that. Um, but I mean, like Joe gets it, Joe goes through it, you know, you run into these I run into these women who all claim they dated Joe. And I mean, not just average women, but, you know, many of them, you know, and uh, all walks of life. Yeah, I know Joe Cardinal very well. You know, oh, he was a wonderful guy. Oh, he did this and that back then, you know, before he got married and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Joe, I mean, is most of this true or? Well, that's the
2: difference. Yeah, they're all 100% telling the truth. So that would be the difference, I think, of the circumstances we're talking about is that, yeah, all those women have dated me. Um, but, you know, actually the timeline was interesting. So you met Tony in 98. Was that before lost art of hooking came out?
4: Yes. Yes, it was.
2: Wow. That's, that's kind of impressive because I don't think most of the world had known, you know, I think that was kind of really how Tony kind of most of the world found out about him. So how did you hear about him? Was it just a seminar or?
4: Yeah. Tony was, uh, was, was, starting to make some rounds via there was a thing called the seminar tape, which I don't even know if that's still available, but that was no. uh, a tape you had produced in the mid nineties uh, at a, at a gym in Ohio that was, and keep in mind in the context of what, you know, you think about BJJ or the grappling community now versus 25 years ago and how things have evolved or changed. You know, when somebody's coming in with, this is how you do conditioning. This is, this is a submission outside of a, a rear naked choke in an arm bar you know, and obviously just, just a flavor of what catch wrestling was and created a lot of buzz online with, um, just going through some, some various holds and, you know, what, um, I wouldn't even consider anything too fancy, just really the fundamental stuff, you know, top wrist lock, double wrist lock, um, conditioning elements and, and how to properly train. And, you know, that definitely created a lot of buzz and he started doing seminars and he was, he joined up uh, for a, a camp out on the East coast at Edinburgh university. And so I joined the, I went to that camp and it was uh, it was a great time. I mean, there were, and there was a lot of really good people out there that um, went on to, to be bigger names in martial arts, like Adam Singer, straight blast gym was there. And, and uh, Cecil Birch, who's a, uh, you know, BJJ black belt out of Arizona. Bill Clawson was an attendee. He was an all American, I think multiple All American, right? Tony out of yeah. uh, Lehigh. So there were some, there were some good guys in the room that I was happy to meet like kind of early in their career. Uh, you know, most, most of all, Tony, of course, cause I ended up uh, moving to, to Chicago really a few months later in part, yeah, I was in large part to train with them. You know,
1: I was very surprised, you know, and mentioning all those guys were great. I did some seminars for Cecil, you know, you lose touch with people. The times back then were horrible um, on the internet. You know uh, it was every day. It was a war now. I don't go on, I, you know, I don't go to forums and I haven't in 15, 20 years, maybe not quite 20 years, but solid 15 years. um, Now things are different. Like Brian said, they're, they're a little more open. People are more uh, willing to, you know, they, they know now Mm -hmm. that there's so many limitations and you've got to learn from guys like myself and others. Back then, man, it was it was really bad. Oh my god! Well, put in perspective,
4: um, like what you see now with political dialogue on the internet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously times are not exactly it's not exactly uh, kumbaya on the internet, but it's tampered down a little more in the MMA fight, martial arts, wrestling community. Um, but that visceral, toxic banter or, that you see now, like in you know some of the political dialogue in, in society, is what we saw then. I would say in the nineties. Little yeah. It,
1: it was a shame because there was a lot of people who were just so misguided. I mean, lost. I mean, you, you just had a, I mean, it was, It, it yeah, it, it was just craziness. But I do want to mention, uh, you brought up Bill Claussen, who was, who came out here to train and just, you know, wonderful guy. And another one I lost touch with so, sensational wrestler. And, and, you know, t- we talk about I moving on and, and time, timing is everything. And when he was his, you know, in his peak, uh, you know, uh, internationally or any Olympic aspirations, he had to go through both Tom Erickson and Bruce Baumgartner. You talk about, I mean, wow. Uh, there, those were, you know, all three of them actually were phenomenal wrestlers. Bruce Baumgartner's record, uh, you know, uh, speaks for itself. As a matter of fact, Bruce Baumgartner was there at that, uh,
4: Oh, yeah, because he was uh, yeah. a, he was the head coach. And so he, he was, came in and stopped and mm-hmm. chatted with us, and we interacted with him in the hallway. And, you know, this is during the summer, so there was also wrestling camps going on. So we were sharing the room with, you know, high school kids and, you know, junior high, and then we had obviously our group over here. So, um, man. Somebody
1: is whistling in the background, by the way. I can hear that, at least in my good ear. I, I'm hearing some some buzz. I don't know who it's coming from, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, those were good times, and, it, you know, when Brian moved out here, uh, you know, it was really interesting, you know, it was, um, w- you know, we, we, we had some, we, we ran into a cast of characters through the years here. Uh, some people were really cool, others had an agenda, but the bottom line is we kept plugging away, and here we are, 20-some years later, we're still going. Um, probably will until, you know, the end of my time, you know, on this planet, I hope. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we also did, did, you know, I like to, you know, everybody talks about the, you know, the wrestling, wrestling and the fighting and all that. Uh, but we developed, many of us developed a great friendship and we had a lot of fun outside of the gym. And, I, you know, that's something that's really never discussed because people see me, for example, they see me all serious showing these moves and da, da, da. Yeah, well, guys like Brian know the other side. You know, the wildness, <laughs> the fun and shit that we've done. Some stuff we can't discuss when it was all good, nothing bad. But, yeah, I, I really kind of miss those times. And, uh, you know, of course, some people that we, you know, like Kevin and others, are no longer are no longer with us. Uh, we can't share any memories or any – we can't make any new memories with these people because they're, they're gone. But, boy, we sure have been through a lot. I'll tell you that. Sickness, happiness, sadness, you know
4: relationships obviously oh yeah.
1: you know i guess i can talk about female this. Female we're one. talking here yeah yeah female. <laughs> i i'm sure i could talk about this because it isn't so bad but i literally was on the telephone with javier talking about whatever and his his wife at the time was in indiana and he, he's like oh she's on the other line hold on and he goes to talk to her gets back on the phone with me And I'm like, so uh, when she coming back, he's like, well, uh, I don't think she is. So I was literally on the phone with him when when he finds out that his first marriage is over pretty much. And, you know, what do you do with that? You know, but that's the, that's the thing. You know, we were, we were not just student teachers, this or that. We were friends, friends first and foremost. And, and I always tell people that, you know, I I don't want to train anybody that I don't really like. I don't want to be around somebody that I don't like. I, I'm not going to hurt the guy or just, I just get those people out of my life as as as, as if they don't exist. Um, so yeah, we, we, we've, we've been through a, a lot. We've grown and you know, 20, 1998. So yeah, we're going on 23 years. I, I mean, I look at you now, you look like you're 23 for God's sakes.
4: You look young. Thank you very much. That's, yeah. that's the good filter that I put on my zoom, my zoom lens. So that's, uh,
1: oh okay now i'm glad you brought that up because i'm going to date we're going to do a little plug here uh and um so i've always been kind of hesitant to like sell myself i guess in a a way you know like asking for this or that but for the past month ish maybe a little bit more than a month let's say six weeks or so call it two months i've been doing a lot of research uh you know learning how to uh um video, uh, camera work and presentation. This will be my last, uh, show coming from this room, my home gym area with the cameras and stuff should be done. Um, hopefully this week waiting, I'm still waiting on stuff, but anyway, so I don't know much about social media, even though I've been on the internet forever, I don't know much about social media. So Joe Cardinal tipped me off and I started paying attention that when we're on YouTube, and I'm getting ready to launch the uh, addendum to the YouTube stuff, where I'll be putting out videos three, four times a week. We're supposed to ask for likes, so hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and hit the the bell, so you get notifications of uh, upcoming stuff. And I've always been hesitant to do that, but everybody, all these pros, they all do that. All the professional videographers that I was watching on YouTube um, all do that. I guess it's mandatory. And they say, you know, cause it really helps out because then you get followers and then we could start to monetize and all of that jazz, which would really help. Um, so, yeah. So for those of you that are listening to this podcast on YouTube, Joe, you say it because you do it better than me.
2: Well, I mean, just obviously if you, you like what you're hearing and you want to support catch wrestling, please do, you know, share the videos, like, uh, you know, it helps. Every little bit helps keeping this going. So uh, all your uh, help online uh, is appreciated.
1: Yeah, it really is. We don't take anything for granted. It's been a struggle for these 20-some years, and uh, we're still plugging away. Um, But thanks to guys like Brian and, um, you know, Bruce, who I want to have on the show. That is going to be a very special show um matter of fact i think we need to have the whole we need to get the band back together again for that we need to get you brian we need to get bruce maybe martino dino martino get martin on here even javier you know that would be that'd be that'd be great but um yeah it's interesting because i don't want to talk too much about what bruce will wait for him to come on but um he was one of the we were talking about how crazy it was 25 years ago on the internet full of bullshit He was like the beacon. I would read things about him, and I literally was new to the Internet. I didn't know much. And uh, I I kept reading some of the things that he had written, which were very articulate and very cool. And I went through somebody else because I didn't know how to do this. I asked somebody who was a little more savvy, can you get a hold of this guy? Just tell him I think he's awesome. I think he knows a lot about wrestling. I think he's a good guy. And that's how that Happened, and then somehow or another i guess we exchanged phone numbers and then we ended up meeting person but as i said i'll save that for the day that he's on but um yeah i don't miss those days man i don't i don't miss those days at all uh but, what
4: was so ironic about it tony was we really keep in mind that we didn't have a public school i mean you didn't have a public school it was a gym you're training a few guys that were really interested you had a forum which was I think members only for the most part, or at least, you know, maybe later on it was, and you were releasing videotapes. And yet there was this, this really, I would say visceral reaction by some people in the grappling or uh, martial arts community toward what you were doing. And I, I just never really understood that. Cause it's not like you were. Um, I mean, as you mentioned, kind of with, you know, lost art of hooking you were, you had to kind of play up a little bit because of who was producing the, the, uh, the tape series. They wanted you to be kind of that contrarian to a certain extent, but We kind of kept to ourselves and yet people felt so, I don't know, threatens the right word or they just were, they would just react. Like we already said, we're just guys trying to do this and we enjoy it. We think it's got a lot of benefit beyond what BJJ offers, especially at that time. And the reaction from certain, not everybody, because there are obviously a lot of people who are open to learning or finding out more was just so, so bad. I would say, I don't even understand it to this day.
1: Yeah, I don't either. And then, you know, made me walk away and I'll never go back. You know, every time a couple people, I don't want to use the term "lured," but they were nice about it. Hey, come on, why don't you come to my side or let's try this again. It just never works out because everybody has an agenda and it's always, I've noticed the talentless people, the people who literally bring zero to the table, no ability, no, not nothing. Um, And you know, the, the people who have a lot of talent, you know, always said nice things, you know, to me or about me. And, and it was a mutual thing, mutual admiration. Um, But yeah, I guess you get that though. in in a, in a lot of, a lot of things, Um, even in the music business, not so much, but it, it does, it, it, it does come into play um, uh, to a degree, but in music, you know, you're dealing with people, this is their, you know, they're, they're trying to gig, you know, make it big, I guess there is no really making it big in the martial art world, like, you know, where you're going to earn 20 million a year. Um, but yeah, you're, you know, just, we're just regular guys just trying to, you know, go along, you know, put a roof over our head. And the more you, um, trash someone, anyone, the less business they're going to make. And, you know, if they have something worthwhile, you're never going to get to experience it because you can, you can run them out. And that's what happened to me, you know, with the, with the lies and the smears and all the bullshit. And, uh, and it happens to others, you know, it,
4: and then, oh yeah, um, that's what cancel culture is all about nowadays. Is oh, that no, no you see, we were, I mean, see, we're going back to what we're seeing now in like modern the world. We were dealing with it at such a subculture micro level that everything I, and I work in, uh, so to my career-wise, I ended up becoming a, a journalist and I work in public relations now for the last like seven years. So, but I, I will tell you so much of what I learned about communications now is based upon my experiences back in the 90s, early 2000s with you and some of the, you know, the, whether it be the campaign against you or just how people interpret information or what seems to stick, what doesn't. I mean, it really was a good training ground for, I guess what I'd apply in the business world.
1: Well, good for you. <laughs> that is, I, that is. I don't know. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah, glad I was of help. Yeah. It's it, you know, and again, I, like I said, I see this in other, um, lines of, you know, it wasn't just me, it was other people as well. Um, but you know, I also have, you know, tremendous supporters who, you know, years go by and they're like, man, the stuff that you said, you know, as far as technically has all come true. You know, everything you were saying back in the nineties, now we're seeing it and people are using your techniques and doing this and that and using your philosophy and approach. So yeah, that's cool.
4: Um, I'll give you a couple examples and then we can keep, keep moving on. But for example, interval training, I mean, interval training from a conditioning standpoint, this is pre CrossFit, you know, CrossFit's early two thousands, I think 2000 came out. We're talking powerlifting, integrating those, you know, uh, those, that type of thing with cardiovascular things in a, in a, in a uh, combined manner, we're talking leg lock attacks. Okay. That's the big thing now in the last few years. And it's in vogue and it's obviously evolved and, you know, it's pretty impressive what people are doing, but we're talking 25 years ago, you were doing this, you know, leg locks and attacks. Um, so, I mean, those are just a few examples that pop in my head of, of really being ahead of the curve when it came to what was happening and it would eventually be, you know, considered mainstream now.
1: Yeah, that's true. And the, another thing is getting off your back. Don't go to your back, this and that, whatever. All that's, you know, in vogue now. You know, let's get back up to our feet. And, you know, um,
4: I've said takedowns. this. Takedowns. <laughs> takedowns. Nobody was doing takedowns 25 yeah. years ago. They, I, I mean, some people were, but some people cross-trained with wrestlers. But now it's like, no, if you you want to learn grappling, even jujitsu, you got to learn how to go on your feet. Well, I said the
1: biggest right mistake. The biggest not miss well it is a mistake in a way but it's nobody's fault but the law started hooking it was geared just to show my grappling you know and as opposed to the stuff on the feet um strikes and everything else that i do and that really um that's the biggest regret that i didn't you know i wasn't able to do that as a matter of fact we filmed a weightlifting uh se- section there it was actually filmed but never released i never saw a copy of it or anything and Bruce and I wanted to do more, but we ran out of time. Same thing with when, even when I did snap, no tap, there were still things I wanted to do on the snap, no tap. You run out of time. You know, you, you, you're allotted an X amount of days to film and, you know, you just never can get it all, all finished. But, you know, yeah, I, I, I do uh, I do look back now and I say, well, yeah, now that people are listening, now they're incorporating things that I said and a beautiful thing about video is the proof is there you know i said this i showed that back in 19 whenever you know um so you can't you know you can't argue with with it you know it's not revisionist history it's it's cast in stone there it is um but on a on a cheerful more cheerful note uh you know it it's great to see that you went on to have a great success you know you're doing good in in your in your career you have a beautiful wife and children you know everything is going going great and um same with joe you know joe ended up raising three beautiful children uh, wonderful wife you know nice house steady rock solid career you know nico we, we we just met a little over a year ago one of the greatest guys i ever met his life is in transition now he's moving and everything and um you know it's just i wish that for everyone i want everybody's life outside of the gym to go good because the better your outside life is, the better your gym is, you know, your life falls apart outside kind of, you know, some guys gravitate towards the gym, but ultimately, you know, you, you, you have to have a good mindset, I think all the way around. Uh, um, but you know, or at least you have to have, like in my personal life, my, my life was so bad that this was my salvation, you know, and it was de- designed as my salvation. <clears throat> it wasn't geared to be fun. This was told to me, expressed to me. This is your salvation. This is going to save you. So, for those of you who don't have <clears throat> the best personal life right now, uh, maybe you can use your training, whoever you're training with or, or whatever it is you're doing. Use that. Look look at look at that as a as a salvation mechanism. That's that's my biggest advice.
3: So. Brian, I'm interested to know because I never, I never got a chance to meet you, and I never got a chance to train at the um, the gym in Chicago. So going back, did, you actually found Tony through, a, through what like a video VHS tape or something for a seminar, <laughs> and then yeah, and then list. what happened? You contacted him. How do you how did you get a hold of him?
4: Well, he was being promoted as part of a group um, that was uh, he was one of the instructors at this camp, um, but there was a. Uh, there was let's just say that there was uh you know a a kind of small community and buzz around tony being built and he was part of a training camp uh or i should say like a martial arts wrestling camp out in edinburgh so I, i i just i went for it and i didn't even know really what the guy looked like at the time i just heard all this stuff about him and keep in mind this is before um i mean this is the formative stages of the internet the first few years so there may not even be pictures of people you know floating around maybe people are talking about it and so um I'm like you know, to heck with it. So it looks like uh, something to do, and yeah, I just drove out there, and along with and it was a big turnout of, you know, probably a few dozen people that were were uh, training. I was just blown away, and I was and I had been doing grappling at the time. Uh, I've been doing jujitsu for. Uh, I had some experience with what was a uh, blue belts back then would have their own gym, so I had trained with uh, um, somebody at that for like six months, and then also with a, a what was considered no holds barred Then now it's mixed martial arts, but uh, um, an instructor for a little while. And, and, um, you know, the, they all definitely either any of those past instructors definitely had a lot to offer. But I was really, really impressed with with Tony's uh, approach to grappling and, and that and really what that meant. So, you know, for me, it was like, wow, this is this is unlike, you know, a lot of what's out there or anything else that's out there. So it's time to, to really try to dive in. So, you know, I, I took that leap and I was out there for really a couple of years. Um, and then, um, I, I left for a couple of years to finish my degree and then came back to Chicago again for a couple of years. And that second round, which was like early 2000s is when I connected with like, uh, Jason Bender and Costa and kind of that next, I guess that next phase or the next wave of students, you know, there was the core t- tool and die group, which is Javier and me and Martin. And then Joe was there for a little bit and a couple of others. And then, um, but it's been, uh, I don't know, it's been, I mean, all of those guys for the most part I still keep in touch with. And as Tony said, that's really been the biggest takeaway on all of this is I made really lifelong friends uh, beyond, you know, the physical improvements that that catch wrestling or strength and conditioning brings somebody. It's also, who are you meeting? What kind of relationships are you building? What kind of life are you able to build out of that? And, uh, you know, I've been a long time martial artist for, and, I always think about like that spiritual element of what martial arts is. And I think that beyond being like some kind of Buddhist monk guy that stands in the corner or something when I think spirituality of it is really is taking those ideas and principles and applying to your to your life and, and making a better life. Um, I don't know, that's a long roundabout way of maybe answering your question.
1: <laughs> well, I, I do remember uh, a highlight of that uh, training session in pennsylvania was the great the one and only luthes Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: uh you know um some you know you had you met him you had pictures with him i met him uh and his wife his lovely wife charlie and just you know uh you talk about intimidating i mean it was intimidating for me to have to go live and do my thing with him sitting on the sidelines watching uh that was a unique thing because I had never now musically I've experienced that. Okay. Where I've played with, you know, like pop musicians, you know, very intimidating musicians, but fighting, come on, you know, you don't, you just do it. Um, but knowing that Lou was there on the sidelines watching, uh, it was, it was pressure for me, believe it or not. Uh, and I tell you, I can't believe how wonderful of a man he was and just so awesomely uh, friendly and just you know down to earth and um, yeah he was just great I miss him tremendously and uh, you know it, it's it, the world it's a great loss with him not not being around anymore but you know he he left his mark the guy was really outstanding
4: yeah how can I forget that Luthez was one of the clinicians there and 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 uh, um... Just phenomenal guy, and yeah, to give people, I mean, a little context like, yeah, Tony was out there. We all, everybody wrestled, everybody was going live, and Tony was, you know, pop, pop, pop. I mean, finishing people like guys that had experience, like, you know, 20 30 seconds, like, whoa, this is <laughs> from the feet. And uh, yeah, I mean, do you remember what uh, one of the things Lou said publicly about you, Tony?
1: Yeah, it was, and it gives me goosebumps right now because he told his wife this too, and he says, Tony. Seeing Tony is like seeing the ghost of George Tragos, if that's what you're implying.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One, a very yeah. legendary catch wrestler in his time.
1: Yeah, and was, that was Lou's coach, Tregos. and that, that was it. And, you know, this wasn't even my prime, because I had had a brain aneurysm in 93, and I couldn't even walk again without any aid of, of anything uh, until 95. I had to have crutches and a wheelchair and a walker. and You know, subsequently, I started to get uh, physically stronger. Um yeah it wasn't even like I was uh eh. you know I was damaged goods back then but I I felt really great um I had just recently broken up with somebody that I was in love with too like a couple months before that we broke up in May if I remember correctly that was in July I think that we did that sometime in the summer could have been June
4: I think um, it was June yeah
1: yeah it could have been June um but yeah uh so yeah going but just and then meeting Lou uh you know and you know, getting the, well, what kind of a guy is he, is he this, or is he that, you know, and he was all that man. He was really just a nice, uh, unbelievably down to earth. Everybody treated him with respect out there. Uh, and he deserved it. Um, he was, he never really even gave himself as much credit. He used to say that he couldn't coach, which just wasn't really true. Maybe in his mind, he wasn't interested in coaching, but we would pick each other's brains and it was, I mean, I, I, I picked up a lot of, from him, you know, little subtleties or little ways that he would do things or the way Ed Strangler-Lewis would do it or Ray Steele would do it or Ed Santel or George Tregos. Uh, you know, he would tell me and show me this is how they would do such and such. Um, you know, which was yeah,
4: just... To, to make that connection, I mean, he was 80, early 80s, right? When he passed away... Mm-hmm. in the early 2000s so keep in mind someone like that has lived a storied life and is a is the bridge to that those people from the, like the early 1900s you know what I mean 1920s 1930s like he was he had interacted with some of them so the old timers of his day I and mean, he, he was saying he had experienced and was able to share those you know those memories with you or some of those um, those elements those techniques even
1: yeah, well, he shared it with a lot of us. You know, even the great Danny Hodge, who just passed away, sadly. You know, Lou would tell stories about when they would wrestle and, and, and work out and uh, things like that. And, yeah, just say, say like, what, my coach, uh, Stanley Rodman, was even older than Lou, okay? So Stanley brought elements um, that, you know, into it. But with Lou, the thing about him was uh, he could articulate to me. Uh, he could reach me. And we would talk on the phone and, you know, all of this, you know, you know, regularly and, and not always, you know, talking about shop, but just, you know, talk about life, you know, just talking about things. Hell, I was, you know, 30 something. And he was pushing, you know, he's around 80, you know? So, I mean, there's a lot to learn in life from somebody like that who's been all over, you know? Uh, and I think too, I've always had respect for elder elderly people in my elders because I've always been around elderly people being raised by my grandparents and all their friends and blah, blah, blah. So it was nothing for me to, you know, look up to and respect older people. Um, But he was worthy of it. I mean, I, I felt, you know, and it was an honor for me uh, to know him and to have him appear on the Lost out of hooking. They did a, a video where he interviewed They They brought him out there um, to Rochester, New York. And what a great uh, man. Just great. And that's another thing I'm doing demonstrations of holds loose sitting there off camera, you know, and, you know, he's sharing, you know, yeah, you know, <laughs> it was just great. You know, I miss him. Uh, but yeah, meeting you and staying in touch with you all these years, you took a big gamble coming out to, not so much to train with me, but making a big lifestyle change, moving to the big city, you know, it wasn't always easy for you. You know, I know you hit a rough patch like we all do. And we just try to pull each other together. I mean, it's all you can do. You can't cast somebody away. Um, But yeah, I just, I'm, I start to get very sentimental, you know, and I I start thinking about Lou or I start thinking about Kevin King and all the other people that are no longer with us, you know, and it kind of puts a damper on things, but We have the memories, at least for now, Brian, that's
4: absolutely. You know,
1: and maybe we'll be making memories, you know, for other people. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it was a, it was a, it was like the, they claim the wild West and the wild West probably wasn't as wild as they say. Well, the internet was wild back then, man. Um, and probably, it probably still is. I, I like, I say I don't go on it. I don't, I don't miss it. Um, but as far as training, you know, Brian's talking about intervals and powerlifting and so on. Um, you know, the, I always talk about making sure that whatever it is that you're doing fitness wise is benefiting your fighting, okay? Um, not just making you fit, because you could become the strongest man in the world, but that doesn't make you the toughest man in the world. As a matter of fact, it can take away from your time in the gym. Uh, so you're not spending it learning the proper techniques. It could change and alter your body structure. To the point where you know it's diminishing returns, you know, you're no longer at your fighting peak. You become too much of something, right? Uh so it's all about learning how to balance. And one of the again, the big thing when when Brian was training back then, the everybody wanted to grapple, 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 grapple. Even in MMA, it was they didn't care about strikes. I mean, there was really I mean, no offense to anybody, but for the most part there were no good strikers in the MMA back then. And there was a lot of grappling tournaments and so on. So it was grappling, grappling, grappling. And that bothered me because I wanted to teach these guys how to fight strikes and everything. And once in a blue moon, Brian and I would discuss it, but generally everybody wanted to grapple on the ground and this and that fakedowns it, but there was so much more to it. So it again, it's all about being balanced um, and being balanced legitimately. Not being balanced for uh, show, uh, how can I word this? Um, you know, sometimes people complain to me about, well, the fights nowadays, you know, they stand them up too quickly or this or that. Yeah, I get that. You know, that that may be because, again, of marketing, all right? Um, from what I was told, one of the reasons that the UFC was dying and it almost did die was because of the ground fighting, because it was boring. It was, you know, they try to claim it was strategic. A lot of times it just wasn't. You just had guys on the ground either catching their breath because back then a lot of them weren't in shape or they just didn't know what to do. Uh, and it it just became, you know, people don't want to watch this. Uh, so they made it a little more exciting. Uh, and, you know, now the, the strikes are there and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when I talk about being balanced, I mean it for the legitimate reasons. You know, if you're taken to the ground and if the sky's on top of you, your training, hopefully, if it was balanced, you're going to know how to get out. You're going to create that space. You're not going to have to rely on your coach – or, I mean, not your coach, on the, the referee to stand you back up. <clears throat> your your training was balanced enough that you're motivated to get back to your feet. You're no longer afraid unless you're going up against the heavyweight champion boxer of the world. You know, you're not afraid to be on your feet because, you, you know, it's all good. And, and your ground fighting, your coach – taught you enough to teach you to get back up on your feet as opposed to staying down there, you know, um, until, until the submission. So yeah, I'm all about being balanced, uh, in, in all of, you, all of your training.
3: Tony, did Luthers have a similar approach to conditioning as, as you do?
1: Uh, I was no, I mean, well in, in stages, in certain things, um, I was obviously stronger, you know, I'm more of a weight guy as well. Uh, well, and, and not and it's not to say that Lou did not lift weights. He did, but <clears throat> back in Lou's day, now this isn't just Lou. This is everybody. Um, powerlifting really wasn't a big thing. Uh, and depending on what I am in Lou's life, it didn't really even exist. Uh, Milo Steinborn was the guy that they claimed was the father of the squat in the United States of America. And he went on to become a professional wrestler as well. Um, So you, you didn't have uh, that uh, really as an inspiration for Lou or others of his generation. Yes, you had guys, some strong men like Herman Gürner, who would do the deadlift, but um, Herman Gürner was, was basically uh, a weightlifter, an Olympic style weightlifter. You don't see much of him record wise of, I don't think anything of him bench pressing and his squat was was really nothing you know outstanding um so in that regard Nico Lou and I were different um I was more and of course too with with being trained by by Stanley with his strongman stuff having a grip that was just the best grip to this day I've ever witnessed uh I I had an affinity for strength Um, So I became and especially after my aneurysm, I became obsessed with being as strong as I can possibly be, because I never wanted to be so weak and helpless like I was back then I, I, I wanted to have overkill I wanted to be way that was my thought process I wanted to be way stronger than I ever was in my life. So I figured, if I'm coming back from this aneurysm thing, I'm going to be better than I ever was that was my thought process now whether it happened or not is it it's indifferent. I had the motivation and I did some crazy training back then. I mean, I put a lot of hours at the and die shop with no air conditioning and no heat in that segment of the gym. Um, And Lou was not uh, vicious like I was, you know, he wasn't, this wasn't, he could fight. He would do very well in the UFC, but that wasn't his, his bread and butter was being a, being a professional wrestler. Mine was being, living, surviving, being, being physically tough, you know, being able to win a fight. Um, so yeah, in that regard, Nico, we had different approaches and one other thing, and, and Brian will chime in if he remembers this Lou did a lot of traveling on the road when he was you know, wrestling. And he, he talked about this in Pennsylvania for the first time about how he would train while he was on the road, he would like grab the steering wheel and he would curl himself up while driving. Or he had a training partner or not a training partner, but another wrestler in the car. And let's say they would drop Lou off. And then the wrestler would drive the car and go up maybe three miles and park the car. And then Lou had to run three miles to the car. And then Lou got in the car and drove up three miles. And the other wrestler in the car ran to get his three mile road work in very creative, um, And Lou played a lot of handball. And I guess a lot of guys did back then uh, as part of his training. And uh, I just, you know, in the end, we were all going for the same goals. We just had different tools to use at the time.
4: And, Tony, I'll admit, I mean, so when I first came to the tool and die shop in 1998, I was just, I'm over six foot, but I weighed 150 pounds. Okay. Um, Very, you know prime always been a hard gainer scrawny. You know, I've had attempts at weightlifting over the years and strength training and just getting on. And I would, when I started training with Tony, I wasn't eating a lot. I wasn't, but I mean, we got to work and, you know, he showed me how to, how to train. And I mean, I put a hundred pounds on my bench press in a year and gained 25 pounds solid. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about. Just, and granted, I was coming from a very bare, bare nothing. And so I was able to make great strides, but just by, some of your approach to, to weight training and using that. And then just having the resources of Kevin, who was obviously a, a champion power lifter too, um, you know, was a great time. And to this day, I still draw in my experiences and, you know, I've obviously modified things over the years to my own accord, but um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And strength training is just like martial arts too. I mean, there's a thousand guys that say they know how to do it, but, you know, especially now with all the fitness YouTubers, I like to watch some of them and you know what they talk about, but, that was some that was some real deal stuff back in the day Tony I remember that for sure
1: it, it was you know and when I first met Kevin uh, it was the day that I got my medical restriction lifted from driving the car and I'll never forget it was March 13th 1994 and I won't get into the whole detail but I was having a hard time finding a place to work out because as I told you I couldn't walk I was my right side was was gone some gyms would not allow me to even go in there. And the other ones, when I, the one that I was working out at, nobody would help me get the weights off the rack. This, I, I just, it was struggle. Some people at this restaurant, bar restaurant said, "Um, well, there's a guy that comes in here. He lifts weights and maybe he'll help you. I said, well, when's he going to be here? Well, he'll be here today for sure. I hung around. I met him. And he was a big dude, you know, but he, he was 48 years old at the time. And I'll never forget it. I'm like, geez, old man. You know, that's what we used to call him, the old man. 48, come on. But I went to his place the next day. He didn't think I was going to show up because a lot of people say they're going to work out. They don't. And then he told me, he's like, I want to be a bench press champion by the time I'm 50. I said, well, I can get you there. He said, if you can help me recover, I have the knowledge to make you a champion, a bench presser. And as shit. When he turned 50, um, he won the Illinois and Missouri bench press championship. Matter of fact, in my, in my home gym here, I still have the, poster and he wrote on there you know what he benched and you know from from the thing um and i i tell you i wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for him because i wasn't gonna we're talking
4: here about kevin
1: about kevin Kevin king i would not be alive if it wasn't for him because i wasn't going to live like that i mean i wasn't going to live the way i was living helpless and shit but he was there i mean he'd, he'd hand me the bar and you talk about coming back from nothing like brian was building up me too i remember the first day i benched 200 because my right arm wouldn't work. So I had to slowly get, get my arm going, build the strength back up. Um, and I, yeah, I remember it was on a Saturday that I benched 200 for the first time. And then I remember when I cracked 300, but, you know, and then 400, it was just like, wow. Um, but on Brian's note, and, and for those who are out there listening, it was a long, hard time for me to go from 200 to 300 on the bench. It wasn't that long for me to go from 300 to 400. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I have my records somewhere. I used to keep notes of everything that I lifted and I was, we're talking, I'm lifting for like two hours, uh, roughly every day, hour and a half to two hours, five days a week. Um, and yeah, I, and when Brian came along, the thing I liked about Brian was he was like a sponge. He, he wanted to learn, you know, and he, but he was difficult to read at first because he's very stoic you know, and I don't know, I, I talked to Bruce a lot. I'm like, Bruce, you know, you got, you know, you're, at the time, Bruce was like a um, um, social worker. I'm like, you can read, what what's going on here? You no, know, oh, he's fine, he's, he's cool. You know, um, Brian was hard to read, so I just wanted to make sure everything was cool. And yeah, we had, we, <laughs> we had a lot of fun, um, and Brian put in the hard work it isn 't me or Kevin or anybody it 's Brian. everything Brian ever did is because of Brian. He put it in, and that 's the same with everybody else. Whatever you do, you guys did it. You, you accomplish whatever because you guys put in the hard work.
2: I remember uh, Brian being a sponge, but a very dangerous sponge. Um, I was uh, when you were, we were having us when you were talking earlier at the beginning of the show about us competing with our hair. I started to have PTSD because my my <laughs> my strongest memories of the the old tool and die was coming in and be like, Oh shit, Brian's here. (laughs) I've got to square off against him. It was, uh, I don't know if it was intentional for you guys, but it always felt like Brian was like the guy who was there to initiate you into the club. You know, like (laughs) you're going to be, he's going to show you what catch wrestling can do, you know, as you're warming up. And so that I remember some, I don't remember, I don't have specific memories, just kind of the, the feeling of the pain and the intimidation because it was very aggressive i think he took your mindset you know the kind of aggressive fast attack style of uh submission wrestling um but that was what kind of some of my strongest memories and impressions back in the old tool and die shop
4: yeah, yeah we but- had to go ahead we had to train i mean uh the mat space we had was god what was it like 10 foot by even when we got that wrestling mat and there was like 10 foot by 15 foot maybe yeah. If, if that, that,
1: there was times there was no wrestling mat. It was just concrete. I mean, yeah. we.
4: I mean, it was, yeah. a, I mean, if so, yeah, quick kill, that's what you had to do. I mean, you, you didn't have time to move around or mess around. It was like, we got this window and this space to do it in. And it was to take care of business. So I think that really kind of was a, an early um, influence in like my approach, I guess, overall, is just the, the simple, the simple space constraints that we had it.
1: Yeah, and for those who hadn't seen it, there there wasn't furniture in the way. There was machines. Okay, we're talking about tool and die. You know, we're talking about punch presses and drill presses and and you know cabinets that they're not going to give your your head or your back go up against that. You're the one who's going to give. Uh, it, it was unbelievable. Bandsaws and um, uh, what do you call those things? with the uh, fan blasters and shit. There was all that there. I mean, it was it was an interesting. Well, look at the routine that was filmed there. Um, and you could see we cleared out some space it was a rough, uh, it was a rough environment, but it was one that I was accustomed to because when I learned this stuff, I didn't, I didn't go to a gym, you know, I learned out of a house. Um, so yeah, I, I, a lot of guys couldn't handle that. Uh, they, they just wanted the glitz and glamor, I think, or whatever. Um, we, we, we again it was interesting we we walked with our heads held high and we kept pretty much kept to ourselves but um and it was in a kind of a funky neighborhood too it wasn't in the nicest neighborhood in town where that place was
4: yeah uh, every was time so, i left i'm like all right i might get a chance to use some of this stuff we'll see how it goes you know what <laughs> yeah, I
1: <mean? laughs> right oh yeah uh oh absolutely it was a good time though you know it, it i thought it and then um you know, before, and then, okay, so then we went, ended up going, transitioning over to Triton. And then we had to wait for the, the gym in Bensonville to get the okay. And, um, and then, you know, that's when I started to see people for what they really were. It's like, people are like, oh, you're out in Bensonville. My God. You know, these are Chicago people. You know, they, did, they wanted to train with me, but they weren't going to drive out to the, for, for people who don't know where Bensonville is. It's right by O'Hare Airport. Matter of fact, the corner of our street was the edge of the airport. So the planes would come running in, you know, I'm like, man, if you can't come out here, which is close, give me a break. You know, you guys aren't really serious about training. Um, But yeah, Kevin was, uh, you know, instrumental in, in finding that location. And he had the vision. When I showed up that one day, he called me in hysterics. I found a place for us. I, like, yeah. I come up there and I had my girlfriend at the time. We walked upstairs. I'm like, this is a dump. This is a dungeon. It was a, was a loft above his factory and this other guy's factory downstairs i'm like oh christ you gotta be kidding me but he had vision well he was a designer he was a tool and die guy and he did cad designing so in his mind he could see these things you know and he saw it he had it all laid out on paper and of course we did different things we ended up changing things around but yeah that was that was a great place um but, yeah, without him, and, and it's going to be – it's hard to believe, Brian, it's going to be four years come July, that July 1st, that he's gone. Um, I, I just find that startling. I just do. But, uh, And, you know, Kevin, he, he was – obviously, he was older than all of us. He could be our father. Um, he'd still get on the mat. I showed him stuff. Remember the day, oh, Brian, we were out, and Kevin got into it. He That guy that kept on, kept on. And and Kevin kicked his ass. And I tracked you down. I know exactly where you were. I'm running in. I'm like, man, yeah, Kevin <laughs>
4: yeah, just we kicked this. Ass, man. You, oh, just, yeah. you show up, both you guys have blood on your shirt. Or Kevin yeah. did, I should say. Yeah, he Kevin. was the one that tussled yep. hanging at the and, bar with blood on his shirt. I would never forget. Yep. It. it wasn't his blood. I'll just tell you no, that.
1: No, it wasn't. And he broke his arm and made the guy cry and everything. Hey, we're on the I said, we gotta go, man. We're we're on the we're on the run right now, man. We're on the lamb from this. And it was just classic. And again. Was, and that's the he, best
4: place to go is a public place when you're on the run, Tony. I, I, <laughs> <that in there.
1: laughs> well, we saw you there, so uh, we, uh, yeah, and he took him down, Top wrist locked him, just like I taught him. You, Kevin, had no previous training until he, you know, he took him down. And this is a guy who was a tough guy, he, he beat up this tough guy, and uh, it was, it was um, amazing to see how he felt because it was a personal beef, okay, uh, involving his Kevin's wife and this and that it was personal uh and you know it 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 was just that you Kevin you know he practiced he listened you know and sometimes when guys would come for personal training a lot of guys are you know were intimidated to work out with me per se but Kevin would spar with them you know box or whatever and you know even wrestle he would do all of that and Um, not that he was the world's greatest wrestler or anything, but he was just a body and he wasn't, and he was strong. And I think that was really important for a lot of these people who had come to train with me that had previous experience. Okay. In whatever martial art. Now they're dealing with an older guy in Kevin who really, it wasn't all like super like trained per se, but he was strong and they came to find out, Holy Christ my holes aren't working on this guy. He's just breaking right out of, it, you know? And I think that was a wake up call for a lot of people realizing, yeah, they, they, I thought I was using all this technique. No, you, you really weren't. you you know, uh, Kevin was muscling out and that, that's good. Just like we had Javier with his freak flexibility. So when you thought you had, you know, you were able to put a submission hold on someone and tap someone out, try it on Javier, you know? Um, and I think that's very good. To always have you know someone that's a little extraordinary in a certain way to kind of keep you humble to, to make you realize exactly where you're at in the pecking order, you know.
3: So, Brian, you mentioned before that you gained hundred pounds on your bench. Um, and I'm wondering because I think it's hard to balance conditioning as well as the technical training, the wrestling and trying to make gains with strength and even size and whatever, how did, how did you balance your training?
4: I'd say overall between there and even at Triton, it was always strength training. First you go in, you go into the weight room when you're freshest, because you're going to be exerting yourself uh, and trying to try to make those gains with your poundages. So that was, that was really always the thing we, we led with was like, we're lifting and then we start doing them at work. We start doing the strength training or we start doing the, the wrestling. So I would say anybody who would, um, be trying to balance all those things is just make sure that you get the, the weights in first, because if you get in the weights when you're already fatigued or, you know, wore out because of you're already, uh, training or doing conditioning, like cardiovascular type, type conditioning, obviously you're, you're, it's going to suffer on your, on your weights. Um, as far as the bench press specifically, a lot of it was hitting those smaller muscles that Tony taught, like last, those triceps, you know, that is your main, if you've got strong triceps and, you know, front deltoids to a certain extent, you know, you can use those learning how to do the proper form of course is always there. But I would say that's, that's the biggest thing for us was just lift first. And then, and then, but you got to put in the time and you got to, and then even, and you can't just say when you get into your training and wrestling, you can't just say, well, I'm tired from lifting. I can't put any effort here because you'll, especially when there's a partner involved and he's trying to tear your head off, or you guys are trying to be, keep each other honest, even in drilling, that partner will help you bring it uh, when it comes to the wrestling after that.
1: Yeah. I think that's very well said the partner thing, because wrestling should never be a competition. You know, you're not there to win. Okay. You're there to develop each other. The the core group here, everybody needs to work with each other and develop. And um, yeah, that's it in the weight room. you, You know, you, you really have to give your max, pretty much. I don't mean one rep match, but, you know, figuratively speaking, excuse me, you have to put your, you know, maximum effort in it in, in, in boxing, wrestling training. You don't need to go a hundred percent. You can tone it down a bit and still make great gains. Cause you're working on technique or you're working on acquiring knowledge. Um, you know, when you bench you're, you're shown how to do it, but that's it. Okay. There's your, you got the knowledge here. This, this is it. Whereas with fighting, it's a constant learning curve. You're always learning something more and more and more and more. So mentally, you have to be there. Be there and, you know, you can't go 100% on something you were just shown. Okay. You got to blow it down and drill. So I, I think a lot of people want to go 100%. They want to just, let me just grapple, you know. That's not the way to do it because you're, you're um, reinforcing bad habits, bad muscle memory. And secondly, you don't even have the skills or the tools to really apply anything. You're just goofing around. Well, Brian did it. A lot of other guys develop, you know, good strength or whatever, um, which I I just think it's part of it. You know, it's for me, at least it is.
3: So Tony, how did you, what was the structure of the class? Like you guys would start out, Doing some main lifts and then, and then what you'd go into conditioning and then wrestling. How did that work out?
1: Well, at the pool and die shop, it wasn't per se like a class, let's say. Um, there was for the wrestling, but the workouts, you just get there, you come in there. You obviously, I would show you what to do, you know, in the beginning, but you want to work out, go ahead and work out, lift, do your get your lifts in, okay? I got other things to do while you're lifting, all right? Yeah. And then once all of that's done everybody's lifting and some guys sometimes just didn't lift or couldn't lift that day. They just show up on the mat. Okay. Take X amount of time, stretch, you know, loosen up a little bit. I should say not even stretch, but just whatever, get warmed up. That's that's what I was, the word I was trying to think of. And then we would work on whatever the techniques were that we felt we needed to work on. Okay. And, so, and then it would be a little bit of light sparring, not going for even sometimes submissions, just working up a sweat, you know, just, getting loose and, and moving around. Um, and – but when we ended up – yeah, and those were long sessions. Even at Triton, they were like – now, Triton, we really went heavy conditioning because we had the room and we had the uh, – the whole place was matted. And they had a running track and all of that. Well, look on the Lucky 13. That was the uh, – <clears throat> Triton College. Um,
4: and the Lucky 13 to – put in perspective was just kind of the start of the conditioning. Like that didn't even incorporate the running. Like the lucky 13 was, let's just put it this way. Once we, once I got to a certain level in the conditioning, lucky 13 was relatively easy. It would have been.
1: Yeah, exactly. But we would go through that. So there would be a roughly an hour of conditioning and then an hour or so of working out. Uh, these guys were in top shape. Uh, and they become hard as nails. And I don't, you know, I don't know what else to say other than it was great. And the worth the weight video was actually filmed at the, um, Triton. There was a weight room right off of the the wrestling area. So that was filmed there. The the seminar series was filmed at Triton. The ripping series was filmed at Triton. Uh, you know, so there, there's, there's a lot of footage of of that.
4: Um, yeah, those. And I should, I should add that, I mean, one thing that Tony did and, our overall approach was, you got to think long-term. I mean, when I came in, I didn't have a strong wrestling background to be able to do a lot of these fundamental moves. I mean, the core of Catch a Sketch Can is, is wrestling. And so that includes what you would learn in a, you know, a junior high wrestling room. And so Tony, I remember one day I got mauled by Bruce, you know, I'd been there a few months at that time. And then Tony's like, you, uh, he's like, cause Bruce didn't always go live. I mean, he was more of a, a coach and obviously with his background as a, a d2 wrestler and then coaching at that college level for a couple of years he was a just phenomenal instructor and could convey information but he wasn't always going live you know one time he just put it on me and i was and then tony's like you got to work in wrestling and i mean there was a i would say three to six months where i wasn't even allowed to touch submissions or think about them unless i was coming in with like an out-of-towner and they needed somebody to work out with and a partner and it was just like drill those core techniques you know the sit-outs the stand-ups the switches you know working your proper tie-ups and control and pinning you know um, and, but that, that takes longevity. That's gotta be patience. I mean, what kind of school would you say? You know what? I know you came here to learn submissions, but guess the next six months, you're not going to do them. I mean, what kind of student base would you have? You know what I mean? It'd be hard to keep enrollment. So, but that was the approach. And that's, I think overall, that's really what it takes to, to do this stuff.
1: Yeah, it is a commitment, you know, um, and you don't get to tell the coach what to do. I mean, you can have some questions, of course, but it's like, you know, go to a college. You're not going to tell your you know, the the professor, what to teach, you know, this is the class and you got to follow his, his or her curriculum, but you know, in the end it's, you know, it's people. Yeah. There's no quick fixes. And that was part of the, another problem that I felt. Sometimes guys would come to me for training from out of, out of state or out of the country, they have an upcoming match or whatever competition I can't fix you, you know, in two or three days. Okay. I could, I could show you what to do, but now it's on you to practice. How am I going to know if you're doing right? And again, this is back before there was the advent of, I mean, there was video cameras, but there was no way of really sharing them via the the internet. Okay. Like there is now. Um, So, you know, it was a difficult thing. Uh, I, I think sometimes guys heart, their hearts were, we're in the right place, but you know, mentally they couldn't do it. Okay. Cause you needed to be here or you needed to at least like, now we can do it with the distance learning, you know, with the Tri-C thing, Tri-C program, because of this video stuff, we can share it. And it's, it's really, these guys didn't have that. You know, I didn't have that when I was growing up, you know, I, I had to be there and do it. um, But again, it's a testament to Brian and others who had come through and stuck, stuck it out. Um, And we knew that some of them were there just to hang out. Not everybody, you know, that's like in any gym, not everybody is going to, you know, amount to being a world beater, but um, we had a lot of fun times back then. A lot of hard work, a lot of, a lot of growth. That's the biggest thing. People developed the ones that stuck it out, you know, really developed. I'm proud of you guys, all of you. So, Brian, I got a, a question
3: for you. I know you mentioned uh, that you were doing a lot of fundamentals training. And Tony always says that you were a great student. So I'm wondering if you have any tips on, you know, learning uh, how you how you were able to apply what you learned and and be a good student.
4: I think the biggest thing is you need to just, you know, not to, Steal from Bruce Lee, but empty your cup. And a lot of you know people say that, but not not everybody lives it. And sometimes you have to go in, and a coach tells you something. It may may not jibe, or it may conflict slightly with what you've learned in in maybe some other martial art, or you may it may be something that you don't understand fully, and you really have to be open and receptive to taking the coach's advice. Or if you don't necessarily understand it, trying it out and you know and maybe if you if you need to if you need to follow up with a question or say how does this look I mean it, I think it's as much a, a or it's quite as much the uh, the student's responsibility to to gain knowledge as it is for the instructor to impart it upon that student because I mean the instructor's doing their best or at least they should be to tell you something or teach you something but the student is only the one who will know whether or not that's starting to stick or whether or not they can comprehend it so I would just say from that core element is just be just be open-minded and really just try to absorb it and take it in and and uh, and try to build upon it. Especially with um, you know grappling, you know, in general. And I'm not even saying any one particular art form that you know it's a lot about creativity and a lot about how you can apply it to your own physiology and and what it is that you like to do from a physical standpoint.
1: Well, he had the work ethic. I mean, Brian had a severe, serious work ethic okay which not everybody can say that they have and and there's valid reasons sometimes why people don't uh you know brian at the time had time okay he wasn't you know he wasn't working 12-hour shifts okay uh he didn't have a wife and kids and you know even a girlfriend most of the time so he he could focus his free time that he did have on training and that was his whole goal see he moved here to train so okay i gotta keep training um other people you may not have that kind of uh you know dedication which is nothing wrong with that some people do some people don't or some people have it but not for that chosen thing uh but brian had it in spades um and and then he was smart enough to realize hey i've got to work i'm young enough yet i got to worry about my education i've, I've got to go get my degree i got to find work you know i got to do da da da. it's called life getting in the way and he, he turned out better for it um and i like i said i can't be prouder of him and kevin loved him you know kevin would talk about you all the time you know he would always ask about you. javier you from brian you know i'm like yeah well no or yeah you know whatever um yeah th- th- that's just it's just great brian's touched me and and my circle um uh, you know, my mom, before all of this, she doesn't remember anybody now, but she remembered you in the past, and she would always ask how you're doing, and, you know, because um, Brian used to come over, my mom would make something to eat, whatever it was, and, yeah, this was – she She loved you, man.
4: She yeah, did. There, there was a lot of uh, – there was a lot of uh, support from Tony and Kevin and even Tony's family, his mother, um, with, you know – I mean, there was a time I was just a – I was, a, you know, taking – classes at the college and I had a part-time job. So I didn't have a lot of money. I was paying rent, you know, and, uh, you know, go to Tony's, I have dinner there, or, you know, uh, Kevin might buy me lunch or honestly, a lot of times at tool and dye shop, there was always supplements. So sometimes yeah. my lunch was a, a coffee cup of water mixed with some protein and choking that down. So, um, there was uh, you know, and then obviously a lot of times when I go to the bar and, and Tony was the one picking up the drinks. So it was, I had that support system, uh, despite all of the, just the kind of the life, limitations or challenges of being a young person, uh, you know, trying to do all this other stuff. So Kevin was a great guy. I mean, I was going to say he was, you know, there's this whole, like, (sighs) men's rights or pickup artists, manly, the, the, the revival of manliness that's going on with a lot of subcultures, uh, you know, in the internet now, I mean, Kevin could have just, (laughs) he could have run an organization with, you know, a guy who could a bench press champion, still good looking. Um, a master with his hands i'm talking a tool and die you know master craftsman it could he repaired my car one time because it was busted up you know and flying a plane hunting fishing i mean he was he was all that and then some so when i look back now uh all these guys that are trying to do you know and there's a lot of them obviously being being strong men but but kevin was was definitely uh you know the role of that you know for me 20 some years ago
1: yeah you know the biggest loss for you nico and all, all this thing is not to get to meet him he was unbelievable. Uh so Tom Antion had come out one time to train and I had this special grip machine. That's the one that I ended up injuring myself on, but it's like real complex, real real, you know, all of this. And, and, and Tom's like, man, I really want one of them. I says, Well, the guy that made them is dead. He's like, Well, what are we gonna do? And Kevin was there in the gym. Kevin's like, Oh shit, I can make one of them easy. You know, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he can. And sure enough, Kevin did. And matter of fact, he made two. He made an extra one for me. And Kevin made special grip machines and you know, a grip machine down there out of forks from a Harley. And we made a special neck machine. He he was gifted, you know, with that with that machining and the tool and die stuff. Um, and just you know, he he had that. But you know, here's what's funny. I always thought because of, of his tool and die and his ability to do all of this, that the great, you know, the submission holds the, the science of the leverage and fulcrum and all of that would come very easy to Kevin, but it did not, it did not come. It was, it was a struggle for him because it was a whole different, I mean, you think they're correlated, but they really weren't. It was a whole different thing. He, the, the, the moves that I showed him, he had to put into work, you know, but he wasn't like Brian. I mean, he didn't do it like, constantly he just wanted to know enough to defend himself in a in a a street fight situation and yeah um yeah that 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 guy i miss him every single day of my life there's he's one of those special people uh i've been lucky i've met a lot of great ones and one of them is sitting here o'brien and both of you guys joe and 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 nico as well just you know you you guys mean everything to me I'm, i'm very sincere um with my friends but you know i uh i I wish people that are out there listening or watching realize that we had it rough we had we trained under the worst possible conditions, okay <clears throat> People who would train outdoors in a park had it like a hundred times better than training in that tool and die shop. I mean it was it was bad you know condition wise and yet we never let it stop us from getting strong from getting fit from getting tough. No, these guys developed They, you know, there were no fancy health clubs. There was none of that. Okay. No showers, none of that. Right. Kevin would come in there while these guys are wrestling, smoking a cigar and, you know, blowing smoke everywhere. Didn't matter. No, you know, no, like I said, no heat. Matter of fact, in my journal, I would put the temperature, what it was outside on every workout. Okay. And I would, you know, make detailed notes of what I did and what the temperature was Um So think about this when it's like Chicago winters, you know, and it's in the teens or whatever, and you're lifting or you're wrestling. There was no heat on that section on that side. There wasn't. So it was like brutally cold. And again, in the, in the summer, it could get blistering hot. Um, so you're working in these kind of conditions makes you, it makes you, it gives you intestinal fortitude. That's for sure. Uh, as far as I know, the building there is still standing. Um, I haven't been down there in three years, uh, roughly. But, um, yeah, great, great times. Hopefully, you know, once people get through this COVID, and, and it's going to be a while, um, and I don't think training will ever be – I'm not going to say it's never going to go back to, what, to the way it was, but there's always going to be a different way of training now um, as well. You know, and as as it you know should be, I guess. Uh, but ideally, the only restrictions are the ones that you put on yourself. Okay, so someone, the government, or whatever it is, whoever it is, could stop you from working out as you have been or where you have been. But only you can stop yourself from actually working out. Um, and God forbid something happens to you physically where you're not able to do the things. You can still, as long as your mind's still fresh and sharp, <clears throat> you can develop mentally and you can do visualization or just study and learn. And, and then when you get back on your feet or you get your location that, that you, you prefer, you're not starting from square one again. Um, and remember what everybody, please remember what Brian said. We were basically working out in a 10 by 12, 10 by 15 area. Okay, that's like, if that, okay, that's your living room. Move your, move, move your coffee table out of the way. And and these guys got to be very, very, very good uh, because they, they had the good techniques, and but they put the effort in. They didn't say, oh, to hell with it. This is not a fancy gym. I'm not going to work out here. These guys stuck it out. Proud of them.
2: There was one of the few gyms that I'd come back, from smelling like cigar smoke—that's what I remember a lot of times. I <laughs> back from. Were, I was did was your like, wife believe you? that you
4: were working out, Joe, or did we did that cause any, cause any problems?
2: <laughs> no, it just was a special care. Yeah, often actually, my when my son went, went in Bensonville, I'd bring my, my boys there too, and we'd have a good workout. But it was, yeah, it was the, It was like, are you teaching the boys to smoke now too, or what?
1: <laughs> yeah, you missed out on some certain things that we can't talk about publicly right now, at least. I don't have the, (laughs) that What you couldn't bring your boys for that. There was some fun stuff going on in there, man. Uh, We had a lot of fun. Uh, It was a very interesting area. Uh, Stone Park, Mannheim was very interesting. Uh, It has a uh, started past, actually. Um, You know, bars staying open until six, you know, closing for an hour and then reopening. And uh, ladies of the evening are, a plenty, you know, that kind of stuff. It was just very interesting, uh, you know, area for sure. It's changed, I think somewhat. You know, you, you mentioned about like, kind of,
2: obviously we always had to be aware of our environment because of like the drill presses and all the dangerous things. I mean, I honestly feel that that you maybe don't want to have drill presses in your, in your gym or your, your workout space, but it, it would be good to kind of simulate whether it's putting tape on the mat or something, putting an object up to make sure, hey, because we had to be aware of our surroundings constantly. You you couldn't just be focused on the guy in front of you. I had to be worried if I take him down, am I going to take him down into something that'll hurt me or hurt him? And I think in a real self-defense scenario, you have to be, you can't just have the blinders on worrying about the guy in front of you. you got to know what you could be running into, what you could be tripping over. And I think there's actually some value in And somehow trying to simulate that. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, guys?
1: Well, the good news is you were never able to take anybody down. So you didn't have to worry about hurting them that way or yourself. So, but let's just say you were capable of it. And I'm joking for those people who may not know. Uh, Yeah, I think that's all part of it. But I've always said you need to train in a restricted area. You can't, you know, you don't have in a real life scenario, you don't have this kind of great room. You know, you don't, you don't have 30 by 30 space. You know, generally speaking, you just don't. You have obstacles everywhere. So, you know, I mean, if you just want to be a sportsman and you just want to compete, you know, like a wrestling thing or a boxing ring or, a, you know, octagon thing, okay, then, you know, go to a gym that has that or tape it off. But, yeah, I believe you You, you have – it's all about, like, for me, it's, it's self-defense first and foremost. It's really that, you know yeah i i'm all about these obstacles and and making your training more realistic
0: well it it
3: seems it seems like the um environment can kind of dictate the style to some degree you know like taekwondo is generally there's a lot of space in the gym and some of these other arts even wrestling there's usually a lot of space so i think that could be helpful to um kind of change the dynamics
1: sure yeah of course there is of course you know but everybody has their it's not an agenda like a negative but the, the agenda let's say in this place is to learn how to wrestle or to learn how to box or to learn how to just lift weights you know um like here i like i i go to planet well i i don't i haven't worked out in a long time because it's covid but i ended up having to go to planet fitness i don't like the place honestly it's okay but, you know, it doesn't have the kind of equipment that I'm used to, and but I work around it, okay? I'm limited in what I can do, but I, I was still able to adapt to a degree. Um, and that's what I think some people have to realize. They go to a place, they may, it may not have all the amenities that you want, but work with what you have, you know? And And there's always ways to, you know, make some sort of improvement in yourself, I believe.
2: So, so Brian, what what's the future for you here? Now we we just started a new year, um, obviously. So everybody's thinking about, you know, obviously we're kind of in a weird new year. We're still kind of in the, in the middle of this COVID thing, but you know, it looks like you know, thank God we've got some vaccines, and and maybe by springtime things are going to start opening back up. What's the short term and long term plans you got? What what are, what are you what's on the horizon for you?
4: Well, out specific to you know the physical and training i actually got i hadn't been training for quite a while because i was rearing kids but early in the year i actually joined a gym uh jujitsu you know mma school and was was active with them and then COVID hit so that was unfortunate so haven't been back since then but uh in the meantime i've uh been training in my basement where we're sitting right now so there's uh my wife ended up getting the the beach body uh, on demand suite so there's actually dozens of, of workout videos uh and she just bought through the year so I do that and then I've also been working out in this uh, give them a free plug gym fit or gymnastic bodies which is uh it's essentially a former national gymnastics coach member who's created this program for like gymnastics for the layman and that's been helpful because I mean obviously I've combat sports and catch wrestling and like anything, it takes its toll on the body. You know, I've had some knee surgeries and my, I've had some issues with my neck and shoulders over the years. And some of those uh, real focused mobility and strength, uh, you know, related exercises, I think are really helping me uh, kind of get back to where when we get to a point where we start going with partners again, you know, in 2021 soon, hopefully, you know, I'll be, uh, I'll be teed up to do that. So that's, that's my plan. I am, you know, and I wanted to reconnect with you guys. One reason I was uh, more than, more than open to being on on the podcast is just keeping this in, in my mind and, you know, keeping it rolling until we're able to do a little bit more. Yeah. I'm hoping
1: that we can start doing, you know, later in the year, uh, monthly seminars again, like we were Uh, we'll see what, but even, you know, even so, you know, I'm, I'm really pushing for the distance learning because I had been doing that before, but, and never have, have, have not stopped. But I think that really needs to increase um, because more and more people around the world need this kind of training and it may be difficult for them to travel here, uh, you know, for whatever, you know, that may mean, uh, for whatever the reason would be, not necessarily COVID related. So to let them know. So that's why I'm setting up stuff and I will be ready to, to go and hopefully launch a new, new thing. Um by the end of this month, beginning of February, uh just a little behind schedule, not my fault, but you know, with shipment. Things are not coming as timely as they can be. And uh, you know, like even with me, my car broke down over a week ago and my mechanic's been closed for the holidays. So, you know, I've been not leaving my house. I can't I can't even go anywhere. So we'll get it all going. But
4: um Well Tony you mentioned I, uh, the the lucky 13 I will say for anybody who wants to get in like really quick shape uh ready to roll I, I, and that's one product that somebody can do on their own time virtually any space I was doing that quite a bit so much that my VHS tape that I got 20 years ago on that program is wore out so I'm gonna have to get a uh, buy a download from you coming up but, <laughs> you yeah go. that's a uh, that's one that uh good old Martin and Dave went through it and uh Big shot in the arm if anybody wants to just to get in quick shape, uh, uh, put in the work. That's that's one that I recommend.
1: Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool because Martin kept going and then Dave purposely would stop to kind of like, you know, it was like a dual motivation. And that's one of those tapes that's like an infinity tape. You 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 know you you, the, you keep getting better. You put more effort into it. You go harder. It's not like you do more exercises. Do the same exercises but more intensity, less rest, so on and so forth. So yeah, it's, it's great. And you can do that in your home. Um, now I even show it like, you know, if you don't have a running track, you know, run in place, you know, but, but hard. Yeah. I miss those times, man. That was a, it was interesting. Well, <laughs> again, that tape's been out a long time. Um, it, uh, that's close to 20 years, not quite 20 years, but it's approaching it, you know, but, uh, but anyway, yep. Yeah, like we're looking at the clock on the wall. It's about that time to, bit ado um but before we do i want to thank brian again brian you've been you know you mean the world to me always have and uh you know when you first moved out to chicago i didn't know what to think of it i'm like whoa okay hi you know um and you stuck it out and you know i knew that it was going to be difficult because of the location that i was at it wasn't the gym that we were we were at in Pennsylvania. And, and it wasn't, you know, uh, Militich's place, wherever else you worked at. You know, this was like bad. And I'm like, oh, but you, you know, you stuck it out. And, you know, my hat's off to you. You had the, uh, the discipline and the dedication. That's the one thing I wish on everybody that's, that's listening out there. No matter what it is you want to do in life, if you can have the dedication like Brian did, you can't help but succeed you know, you're gonna, you're gonna come out ahead. Um, and the good news is, Brian, you know, you can, you can have the, the same, that same dedication is going to be with you the rest of your life. You just need to find what's next. What's the challenge? Sounding like you're trying to come full circle and get back into this again, working out and everything. I'm all for it, man. Anything I can do to help.
4: For sure. You know, And, you know, and you'd kind of touched on it earlier in our conversation, like there's different phases in life, right? There's different chapters and you know, Javier Palomo, obviously a former training partner, multiple world champion now, very accomplished. Back then, you know, he's training with us, but he was raising kids, you know, in a new marriage. Yeah. And it was like he couldn't put in the time or effort that I could at the time. So now, you know, tables have turned. I, I'm kind of dealing with those those same issues that he had then. And but you get it while you can is really what it is and when you can.
1: Well, let me ask you this, because it's all going to probably come to a head next Sunday. Yeah. You should win the hair challenge. Okay, do you think that this is going to take you down a path? Like maybe, I mean I don't know. Hollywood. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, you don't know where this could go. I mean, if you win, do you are you up for that challenge to accept knowing that you have the greatest hair in catch wrestling?
4: That's a lot. That's a lot. I'll have to digest that one and really think about whether I can I can assume that mantle.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of really responsibility want. that comes with that. So before you jump ahead think about the consequences for sure
1: well you're not counted out yet joe i mean you know you're still the reigning champion here okay so it's going to be a vote and you know um i i mean you know i want i wish you both
4: the well best. tony you're gonna have to talk to mrs denise because she keeps telling me how to uh that she wants me to cut my hair so i don't know maybe this is something else that'll uh let her let her stick it out a little bit especially if i'm the winner not trying to sway anybody's vote but you know i'm just saying for the peace of uh mind in my household here
2: well you got like i said it's all about priorities and you know family has its place but hair you know that's another thing
1: well we'll we'll just
2: hope for the best here um and there's really no loser honestly there's just you know you know two great winners all our viewers actually are winners in this
1: scenario yeah because they get to see both of you guys Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, Well, anyway, though, but I I do want to say thanks, and uh, I look forward to seeing everybody next week. And uh, you know, of course, Nico and Joe, or even Brian, if you got anything to say, reach me out. You know, hit me up this week. Um, I got a few things to do, but right now it's I got to get try to get my mom back on track. That's that's really difficult, but we'll try. Well, thanks again, everybody for, for watching and, or listening. That's all yeah. I have to say.
2: It was great having you on, Brian. I'm
4: really glad to share
2: some of those. Hey, thank,
4: the, thank you for, for inviting me and, and having me on. It's been great. And like I said, I've been listening from afar, uh, not too far, Wisconsin, but you know, listening uh, for, for quite a while enjoying the talks and a lot more to talk about, man. You know, Tony's uh, a wealth of info and, like you said, I only had a chance to to delve into a little bit of the combatives and and uh, striking, but you know a lot of the conditioning and grappling, and there's a whole lot more there. So,
1: we'll, we'll have you back on for sure. You'll be back <laughs> on again. You know, we'll, we'll, you know,
4: for sure. All
2: right, guys, have a good week. You too. Bye. Good week, guys. Take care, guys. Bye.
0: (音楽) You're listening to R zoyside Market games.